0: I'm so glad that you're here tonight. This night would be a good time for you to have a Bible and a notepad. And then I will present to you what's going to happen also. Some of our leaders and staff members have put together this Bible study. It's called Building Up. They've taken the tabletop Bible study and they reduced it. And it is in really just a couple of lesson forms. Brother McLeod taught last week out of this Bible study, and I'm teaching the second part. And then on Sunday, these will be made available for everyone in the church. Everyone can have uh, one or more of these Bible studies to teach. Because our prayer is that every person in the church will have a Bible study and will be teaching a Bible study. These are very easy to teach. And in fact, what you can do is just go online and review Brother McLeod's lesson from last week and my lesson from this week, and you can develop your own pattern. What we're doing tonight is critical because this is the foundation of our belief. Um, If someone asks you, What is your religion or what do you believe? last week and this week, these are the Tenets of what we believe. So. Jesus said. The stone that the builders rejected. Has become the head of the corner. Paul wrote that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the basis of everything that we believe. Comes from the fact that. That Jesus Christ is the incarnate God. That he is, in fact, the almighty God. Now, that, that statement that I made is contrary to everyone else who believes that there are three persons in the Godhead. The Bible does not describe that. In fact, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, you can write this one down. Jesus proclaimed himself to be the almighty. Everyone say Almighty. So almighty means it's singular, all, or the mighty one, or the only one who is mighty. So that's the foundation. And then Jesus Christ himself, the cornerstone, and now we're talking and teaching about this foundation. Now what we're teaching tonight is, has nothing to do with denomination. It, does, it, it has nothing to do with a particular church, or a concept, or an ideology, or a tradition. This is just scripture. And so these scriptures that I offer to you are scriptures that denote the beginning of your life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what age you are, you need to know these scriptures. I memorized a lot of these scriptures when I was 12. I love these verses. By the time I was 15, I had memorized a lot more of these verses. And by the time I was 16, I had memorized almost all of the verses that I needed to understand or to relay the gospel. I was teaching a Bible study to a couple of my friends, and they really had me tongue-tied and confused. And I was very upset. I knew I was right. I just didn't know where to find the scripture. You don't know what you believe until you have to defend it. So... If your response is, well, that's just what my church says or that's what my pastor said, then chances are you don't know what you believe. And the best way for you to defend the gospel uh, is for you to teach it. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know someone that you can teach a Bible study to that does not attend church, then you can practice on one another. I've, I've challenged Roman, my son Roman, and Noah. To teach each other a Bible study. I want when Noah teaches Roman. I want Roman to act like he doesn't know what Noah's talking about. And when Roman teaches Noah the Bible study. I want want Noah to act like uh, he doesn't know what Roman's talking about. This will be an easy act. They won't even really have to act. (laughs) So I want you to practice on one another. Until you find someone that you can teach a Bible study to. This is for everybody. You don't have to be a preacher or a, or a real gregarious out person to teach a Bible study. Everyone should teach a Bible study. And at least one Bible study during the course of each year. Amen. And the place went crazy. Everyone's clapping and shouting and standing, running. Okay. Okay. So I think, Brother McLeod, uh, finished up on page or, or on 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 baptism. I just kind of want to go over this with you again, and we want to declare what the gospel is. Uh, in in a lot of writings, uh, in a in a simplistic form, the the gospel of the good news has been spoken. But when we say the good news, although it is true. It, is not a, it does not declare or define in specific terms what the gospel is. Now, Jesus said you have to repent and believe the gospel. And the Bible says that even in those days, priests that worked in the temple believed and obeyed the gospel. How do you obey the gospel? First, you have to know what it is. So this comes... Uh, And I don't have, uh, Sister Lori. you'll have to follow me a little bit because I'm just going to flow here and and if you can find these, this is great. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Paul is writing to a church and the church is in the city of Corinth. Um, And Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached unto you. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John describe the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts describes, as Brother McLeod said, the place where people were actually saved. The book of Acts is the birth of the church. Every other letter after the book of Acts, Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, The letters written to the brethren like Timothy or Philemon. The book of Revelation, which is written by John about about the Revelation. All of those books are written to the church that was already saved. So if you want to find out where people were saved, where they were actually saved, you have to go to the book of Acts. Now the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are describing the birth through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's setting it up. And in fact, in that, in those books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Well, the church began in the second chapter of the book of Acts. And that's where the gospel was preached. So I am just reviewing some of this with you. The gospel is the death. Everyone say the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It will never change. Death, bear, resurrection. Paul said, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. You've received it. This is, this is the firm, firm foundations where you stand. Verse 2. You're saved. Keep it in memory. Verse 3. I deliver this to you. Christ died. There's the death. In verse 4, he was buried and he rose again. I want to remind you of the gospel. Verse 1, 3, and 4. I want to remind you of the gospel. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again. That's the gospel. It will never change. I didn't write it. Jesus wrote it. Now, how do I obey it? If the Bible says you have to obey the gospel, how do I obey the gospel? Well, I've got to die. I've got to be buried. And I've got to rise again. But how can I do that? Well, Jesus taught us something about this. And so we're going to go back to review John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now, I did this a few years ago. You can do it if you want to. But um, if you start at John chapter 3, I'll, I'll give you a little lead. If, if you can only remember John chapter 3, then I'll help you with where you go next. Because we wrote this together in one of our classes, John 3. And right next to John 3, I wrote Romans 6, 1 through 4. So let's just do John chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, a Pharisee, the Pharisees were a very wealthy and religious group of men, and they controlled the people and they had a lot of influence in Jerusalem and in all of Israel um, they they had they had a lot of prestige and power. They had a council, uh, and the Sanhedrin Council uh, was a very powerful council. Rome did not want to uh, disrupt of the government, Uh, so they would allow um, the Jews to have a form of government also. So this Pharisee, Nicodemus, came to Jesus. He came by night because, of course, that denotes that he didn't want anyone to find out who he was. And he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, we know that thou art a good teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, that sounds like a salutation. I'm so glad you're doing great, Lord. I know you're, you have miracles. And Jesus cut to the quick. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, we're talking Jesus went right to the subject, cut to the chase. Well, this is confusing. How can you be born again? Then Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and the spirit. Two baptisms are found here. Water and spirit. John 3, Jesus introduced the baptism of water and the baptism of the spirit. So water baptism and spirit baptism. Jesus also said in other verses, you must repent. Repent. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, he said, repent and be baptized. Uh, uh, he, I'm sorry, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So... We know that repentance as we've heard a couple of weeks ago and in fact uh, when Brother Nichols was here, repentance is changing. It's to change. And people can say they're sorry but, but they didn't repent. So no one is going to go to heaven according to Jesus unless they repent. No one. Jesus said except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. So repentance is critical. So here are the steps. First you believe, then you obey, then you repent. Now these are, these can happen in a matter of Thirty seconds, fifty seconds, a, a minute. I believe, I believe on you, Lord. Now I'm going to obey. The first thing you have to do is you have to repent. That's death. Jesus died. He was buried, and he rose again. Now don't move past repentance very quickly. I, I don't. I, I, I like to draw on a board. Um, and I'm an excellent artist. It's I'm excellent. It does take the gift of interpretation. Uh, to figure out what, but if, hey, listen, it's up to you. you. Either you're spiritual or you're not. And, uh, the tabernacle was set way back, the tabernacle. The tabernacle was what Moses uh, built, and God gave him the dimensions of the tabernacle. God did that. And God said, Moses, build this tabernacle. And build and make all the artifacts and all the furnishings. There are three main furnishings in the tabernacle. The tabernacle is 150 feet long by 75 feet wide. And there's one gate that leads into the tabernacle. That's that's the gate that would face the eastern side. And three tribes, the 12 in all, three tribes camped around each side of the tabernacle. And the tribe that camped right in front of the entrance, that was the tribe of Judah. Which is amazing because Judah actually comes from the word praise. So to get into the tabernacle, you had to go through the tribe of Judah. You had to go through praise. So it's no wonder why David said, I enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his course with praise. So this was ingrained in the Jewish culture. And so the first artifact or are the, are the item, the three main items that you saw, when you got into the gate was the, was the altar of sacrifice. That's where they would kill the beast and kill the, the, the oxen and slaughter the lambs right on the sacrifice. They'd take uh, on the altar. They would take the blood and they would walk over and the next item was this thing called the molten sea. It was a big pool of water. They beat it. Inside was brass and they would, the priest would wash. He'd have, some, he'd have the blood with him, but he would wash. And then they'd go through the holy place and then the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the Ark of the Covenant wasn't very big. It was only about three and a half feet wide, uh, long rather, about two and a half feet wide and two and a half feet deep. And it had a lid on it and the lid was... Uh, it had angels, two cherubs on the on the top, and they they were bowed down, and they're and they're well, for reference, uh, I shouldn't say it. Uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark have, has a really great depiction of this. It's, it's nineteen 80s, whatever. All right, sorry. And so this lid was called the mercy seat, and that's where they would sprinkle the blood. So the three main. Uh, Items in the tabernacle was the altar where there was death. The pool of water, the molten sea where there was washing. That was the water. And then the last one, of course, there was other things. It was, there was a golden candlestick and the table of showbread and there was incense. But the last one, the main artifact was the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the Spirit of God, you know, come down and take the blood and, and, and just bring that sacrifice back up. So there you go. There it is. The death and the altar. The water in baptism and the resurrection, the Ark of the Covenant. This was ingrained in the minds of every Jewish man and woman and child. Everyone. That's why Jesus said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have life and they are they which testify of me. Now you've got to know these scriptures. One of the reasons why the Jewish people do not believe in Christianity is because they say, we know our book, but you don't know yours. So we've got to know our book. And the way you know your book is you read the book, and you study the book, and you find out what the book says. In the end, God's going to judge us, the Bible says, from this book. Amen. So, Jesus introduces to Nicodemus two baptisms, water baptism, spirit baptism. We've already heard him say, you must repent of your sins, and now he's introduced water and spirit baptism. There it is, the Holy Ghost. So, let's just kind of go through this little timeline. We're going to go through the timeline. Are you ready? Here's the timeline. Adam and Eve were created. The Bible says they were naked and not and not ashamed. Why is that? Because there was no sin. There was no sin. So, where there's no sin, there's innocence. Little children are innocent, they, they don't know, um, they have no idea about anything, they, you're having a family dinner and they're two years old in the bathtub, they get out and run around and they call them the streak, that's where that song came from. I am way, I, I, I'm sorry, I am like ancient to some of you, I'm so analog tonight, I do apologize. And the Bible says in the last days that, that people have their conscience seared as with a hot iron. It's very interesting today that when Adam and Eve sinned, immediately they went and hid themselves. Why did they hide themselves? And the Bible says that the voice of the Lord, you know, trying to find them in the cool of the day. And the Lord said, where are you? Where are you? And, and why are you hiding? Now, God never asks a question because he needs an answer. He's never going to ask you a question because he doesn't know. He's asking you a question to probe what's going on so you answer it. And so Adam and Eve says, well, we're over here. We're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, they ate of the forbidden fruit. And their eyes were open. Suddenly, what was the eyes open? That was the conscience that awoke in them. You see, there's a moment when a child realizes, uh, I did something wrong. That's the conscience. God put a conscience in your spirit. So when you sin, and you're real young, there's a conscience. But as you continue to sin, you lose the guilty feeling. Ooh, that's a bad thing. I want to feel guilty. Guilty is not a bad thing. In fact, when I feel guilt, it means, oh, I got to get my heart right with God. When, when I'm hearing a preacher or someone teaching or someone's giving something, and I realize, oh, man, I have failed. I, 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 I need to get that right or I think say, or say something wrong. Man, something convicts me. And so then I can make it right with God. See, what's happening right now in America is we're removing all guilt. So no one feels bad about anything that they're doing. They feel justified. That's called Subjectivism. And what, what happens out of that, I'll wait for you. Amen. What happens out of that is when you feel so guilty, when you feel so guilty, then then oh no, oh no, what have I done? When you remove guilt, then you remove the ability to repent. There's no need. Why would you repent? And when you remove guilt, what you're really doing is you're removing sin. And you're changing the definition of sin. So what happens? What happened to them? They put their clothes on. They put leaves on because they felt a conscience awoke. They said, we're, we're naked. Who told you? Well, we, we're hiding. Why? And so they put leaves on, perhaps fig leaves. And God said, oh, no, we, we can't do that. Now, in the end time, the Bible says that people will have their conscience seared as with a hot iron. So what happens when people have their conscience seared? They take their clothes off. They, they don't have any pride. They don't have any shame. They don't have any conscience. They take their clothes off whenever they want to. And when they when they have their conscience seared, they think that that's normal. This is what's happened in our world. And at the end time, this is the prophecy that will happen. And so God killed the first animals to take the skin and make clothes for For Adam and Eve. Now you go from there all the way through the scripture. Even after the garden, when they were kicked out of the garden, they had children. Cain and Abel knew. We don't know exactly how this happened, but we do know that God required a blood sacrifice. Blood covers sin now and forever. Blood covered sin. In fact, the Bible says that God had respect unto unto Abel's sacrifice, but not unto Cain. Cain was given grain. What Cain ought to have done was go to his brother Abel and say, listen, I'm going to give you a bunch of cereal if you'll give me a sheep. Here is grain. Honey, wheat, cereal. But no. He was stubborn. He wanted to give his own. See, God requires blood. In fact, he requires a specific sacrifice. You don't get to make your sacrifice the way you want to. God requires. Amen. And so blood the sacrifice. From that point, all the on, even Abraham, who was lived before Moses, even Abraham, even Noah, who lived before Abraham. So it was, it was Adam and Eve, and then Noah, and, 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 and then Abraham, and then Moses' blood. There's a trail of blood all the way through the Old Testament, until finally you get to the end of the Old Testament at Malachi, and God had required them to give a blood sacrifice. Why would God require blood? Because the book of Leviticus, the Bible says that the life of the body is in the blood. You can't live without blood. Blood sends oxygen, nutrients, and messages to each part of your body. If you ever get caught in a freezing storm, your body will sacrifice your thumbs, your toes, your knees, your ankles, just to keep, keep all the blood circulating in your vital organs. Your body will sacrifice your fingers because the blood will leave your fingers and go to your heart and to your lungs and to your liver and your fingers will turn blue and then black and they'll fall off but but the blood keeps you alive so that blood is your living substance you can live without a pancreas you can live without a gallbladder you can live without tonsils you can live without a brain i know people but you can't live without blood you lose a significant part of your blood, you're gone. The life of the body is in the blood. And the blood covers us. And so at the end of Malachi, they weren't bringing their best to God. The Bible says they were bringing lambs that were blind and withered and, and, and manged, mange and all. And God rejected them. He rejected them. And in between the Old Testament and New Testament is a page that represents 400 years of silence. God stopped speaking. God did not speak until finally... The birth of Jesus Christ. And John recognized the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, he recognized Jesus with these words. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Paul will soon write, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold received from vain tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, who was a lamb, who was a lamb without blemish and without spot. Jesus Christ was the Lamb. Now, no more lambs and oxen and turtle doves, no more blood sacrifice because when Jesus died on the cross, the blood of Jesus covered all the sin. Watch, he stretched from here to there. All the blood was covered for them in that moment, forward and backward. Now, the blood of Jesus covers everybody. He died, let's go do it again. He died. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. That's the gospel according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. The gospel is not what you want it to be. It's not what I want it to be. The gospel is not haphazardly defined. The scripture defines the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Jesus died. I've got to die. It was the first article in the tabernacle. I've got to die. How do I die? I died in my flesh. It's it's called metaneo. Matanio is the Greek word. It's a change. It's like an about face. I, I'm walking the other direction. All you have to do is ask God to forgive you and start changing now. It's a beautiful part. And then comes baptism. Brother McLeod talked about baptism last week. Baptism. It's incredible baptism. I, I want to read a little bit from, from, uh, from Acts chapter 2. And just talk a little bit about Acts chapter 2 and how that happened. I love this. This is, this is my bread and butter, man. I could teach this all day long. I, I, I have it ingrained in me. I don't think I need one note. I can just talk about it. Because it's the greatest thing ever. There's nothing like the gospel. There's nothing like being born again. Nothing. It's the greatest message the world has ever heard. It's the foundation of everything that we believe. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, resurrection in my life. How do I obey it? The gospel. So what happened was Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. But then he came back in a form. He he went through a wall and met his disciples. Everybody was there except Thomas. Thomas didn't show up. And because he was late for church... And he didn't see Jesus walk through a wall. If he'd have saw Jesus come through the wall, he would not have said what he said. But Thomas said, except I touch the holes in his hands and his feet and his side, I'm not going to believe. And for centuries later, da Vinci and Caravaggio, all of them would paint in motifs and sculptures, doubting Thomas. We know him as Doubting Thomas. What a terrible epitaph. And why? Because he showed up late for church. Forever. The guy wasn't different than anyone else. Poor guy. Poor Doubting Thomas. He wasn't bad. He wasn't a bad guy. He was Doubting Thomas. But why was he Doubting Thomas? Because he said, I'm not going to believe unless I touch something. See, if you don't, if you show up, no one's going to call you Doubting Frank. Frank. Doubting Dennis. Doubting Denise. They're not going to do that. And so Jesus came. He was with his disciples for 40 days. Here's Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Jesus speaking the things pertaining to God. He was seen to them 40 days. So he's in the grave three days. He's 40 days. And then he sends them off. He's on Mount Olivet. He sends them off. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11. And they watch him ascend into heaven. He's going into heaven. They're watching the bottom of his feet. Boom, there he goes. And two men stood by in wide apparel. They say, They said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And then they went to Jerusalem, which was a Sabbath day's journey, wasn't long. They went over to Jerusalem they found a room. They rented the room. There was about 120 of them and they started to pray approximately seven days. How do we know that? Because between Passover and Pentecost is 50 days. That's what "penti" means, 50. This is ingrained in them. Passover is when they left Egypt. When they passed over, they, I'm sorry, when the angel passed over and didn't visit their home. Think of that. Why would the angel pass over? Here it is. Egypt, bound and imprisoned the people of God. Israel was the slave nation of Egypt. And Israel, they, they wanted to break free. Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. He refused. The 10th plague was an angel that brought death. And this is what Moses heard from God. Tell all the people, take a lamb, kill the lamb, wipe the blood on the, out, the outside of your house, the doorpost, wipe the blood. And then take the lamb, cook the lamb, eat the lamb, and stay inside. Because tonight, there's going to be death. So they all took a lamb. They, they, they took the blood. They put it on the outside. They went inside and ate the lamb. Are you getting the picture? Blood on the outside. Lamb on the inside. Blood on the outside. Lamb on the inside. And when the angel came, when he saw blood... On the doorpost, he passed over their home. That's why they call it the Passover. There was only one time in the King James Bible where we read the word Easter. Easter is really the Passover. So we all adopted Easter, and Easter changed from Passover and from the blood to a a bunny that lays chocolate eggs. It's an amazing bunny. we got to find him. And so the Passover, that's what it was. Jesus died on the Passover. They should have seen it. It was in their writings. It was in the Psalms. It was in Isaiah 53. Jesus was the Lamb. He died. And 50 days later, Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. Well, what happened? There was a rushing mighty wind. And the Holy Ghost came and sat upon each of them. And they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That is Spirit baptism. That's the Ark of the Covenant. And then... Peter saw that they were baptized in Jesus' name. That it just spilled out into the street, 120 of them speaking in tongues. And there were so many people because in every festival, Pesach, Pentecost, and Sukkot. So Passover, Pentecost, they were 50 days apart. Sukkot was the last festival that usually happened in September or October, depending on the, on, on the lunar moon. And so they all were people from all over the world, all over the world. In fact, at the Passover, there were people from the northern part of Africa. Simon the Cyrene was a black man from from Cyrene. He came. Simon of Cyrene was from the northern part of Africa. And when Jesus stumbled and and the soldiers looked around for someone to carry the cross, he picked out a man named Simon and Simon picked up the cross of Jesus and walked him all the way to Gagatha. <laughs> oh man. And if you look further in the Bible, you'll find that Simon had a couple sons and his two boys became, they became the powerful preachers of a great revival in Antioch. I can't go down that road. Oh man, I want to. It was an amazing thing. All these people, then 50 days later, all of the known country came to sacrifice before the Lord. They came back to Pentecost, and when the Holy Ghost came in that upper room, and those 120 spilled out, they began to speak in tongues. There were men standing by and people at the festival, and they were looking at these men and women speaking in tongues and just sprawled out in these cobblestone streets of Jerusalem, and they said, these men are drunk. How can they be drunk? And Peter said, oh, no, these are not drunk as he supposed, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. 700 years prior, the prophet Joel prophesied about this very thing. And all those people, they said, how can we hear all these people speak in our own tongue where we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Joels and Mesopotamia and Pontius and Phrygia and Camphylia and the parts around Cyrene? We hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. The Holy Ghost is poured out. And then Peter started preaching. He said, this Jesus whom you crucified, he is the Lord and Savior. And the Bible said they were pricked in their heart. Pricked, cut, stabbed. And they said in verse 37, what can we do? Now the right the right declarative of that is, how can we be saved? What can we do now? And then Peter got out the keys to the kingdom that Jesus preached to him, told him, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. And Peter said the gospel. He preached the gospel. Peter said, repent, death, and be baptized, the molten sea, water baptism, the burial, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins. Everyone say the word for for, F-O-R. That word for comes from the Greek word, And that Greek word has six six major derivatives. And the first major derivative is to obtain. Obtain. This has been a long argument. Obtain. But to obtain means you are baptized so that you could obtain remission of sins. Now there's a whole bunch of people who do not think that. There's a whole bunch of people that think the word for means because. Now because and for. Because and to obtain are two different things. I, I am kind to Tammy So I can obtain a hug. I am not kind to her uh, because I'm going to get a hug. I am kind to her because I know I have to make an investment. So if you are going to obtain remission of sins, you have to be baptized. And not just any way, but in the name of Jesus. Now, if you look in the Bible, no one was baptized in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Why would that be? Why? Why would they not be baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Because those, those titles, Father, and Son, and Holy Ghost, are, are not, those are not names. But Jesus did say in Matthew 28, 19, go in all the world, teach. Everyone say teach. And baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Ghost. And then he said teach. So teach, baptize, teach. Well, did the disciples do it wrong? Because everywhere in the Bible, the only, place, the only time people were baptized, they were baptized in the name of the Lord or the name of the Lord Jesus or the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one was ever baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. They spoke the name. Why? Because Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, if you're going to bury someone, bury them in the name of Jesus. If you're going to marry someone, you marry them in the name of Jesus. If you're going to pray for your romaine noodles, you pray for those things in the name of Jesus. We're on a whole fast. Nico's birthday is tomorrow. He'll be 16. We're going to celebrate. Everyone can come. I don't know where we're going to be. Bring your own chicken broth. That's all you get. So, for Nico's birthday, he gets chicken broth. If you're going to do that, you do it in Jesus' name. Why? Everything you do in word or in deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why did the disciples do that? Because they knew what Jesus was saying. The name of the Father is Jesus. It is. Go to Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We're talking about Jesus. And his name shall, the government should be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Counselor. Who are we talking about? The mighty God. Who are we talking about? The everlasting Father. Who are we talking about? Uh-oh, okay. So his name shall be called the everlasting father. He is, that's what his name is. In Matthew 121, the Bible says, Gabriel brought the message and said, "You shall call his name Jesus," so the name of the Son is Jesus. And 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 and, and John, the the Bible says, uh in John chapter 14 verse 2, "But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name," the comforter is the Holy Ghost. How is the comforter? It's in Jesus. Everything's in Jesus. All right. So we're going to baptize in Jesus' name. That's why we say in Jesus' name. Why would we say in Jesus' name? Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name, Acts 4.12, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's no other name. In fact, it only stands the reason because the Bible says God hath given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every tongue should every knee should bow, every tongue should confess the name of Jesus is the highest name it 's the only name in fact, the Bible says all the family in heaven and earth is named after that name so why pastor, would you baptize in jesus name because that 's the only way they did it in the bible that 's how i 'm commanded i 'm commanded to baptize in jesus name all right, how are we doing now what about what if you're a believer? What if you're a believer? Well, Paul met some believers, but he didn't leave them alone. They were believers. I think there's a lot of believers they believe in Jesus Christ. They may not be, they may not be baptized yet, but they're believers. They have a walk with God. I'm not going to judge any believer. In fact, it's not even my job to judge anybody. I'm just presenting the gospel. Here it is. Paul, Acts chapter 19. Are you ready? Let's do Acts chapter 19. Paul Having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Uh, can you help me there? Uh, uh, Acts 19, verse 1, and we'll do a little bit of this. Okay, are, are you there? Uh, do you have your Bibles, Acts 19? This is good. So Paul, uh, Apollos, Apollos and Paul, they're going to different, two different places. I, I'm going to wait for you because I think this is important. And I, and again, I apologize. I didn't give you any lead because I'm just kind of flowing in in the teaching format. Here we go. And it came to pass, that while Paul was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the Arbor Coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, who were the disciples? They were not the disciples of Jesus. They were disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus Christ. He was about six months older than Jesus. He was the forerunner. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way the Lord, make his path straight. Paul found these disciples, and Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, well, we don't even know what you're talking about. We've never heard of this. And Paul said, well, hmm, uh, unto what then were you baptized? Or a better phrasing for us is, well, then how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized under John's baptism. Now, just pause right there for a moment. What was John doing? John was clearing the way for Jesus Christ. Because heretofore, in the Old Testament, before the scribes wrote a, a copy of any scripture, or before you went into the temple, you went down this little, this little embankment there, steps, and there was water. And you'd put on a robe, you'd dip down in the water, you'd come back up. That was called a ceremonial baptism. We know those areas. We see them all over Israel. They're called mikvahs. So there's multiple mikvahs on the south side of the old what we think is the old temple wall, mikvahs. And mikvahs were these places where you kind of walk down just like these steps. This is the ground. You walk down, there's a little pool of water. You dip down, you come back out. Now you dry off and you can go into the temple. It's not a bath, but it was a ceremonial cleansing. It was a ceremonial baptism. So they would all knew about mikvahs and ceremonial baptisms, but something changed. John said, oh no, this is not a ceremony. This time when you go down into the water, I'm going to baptize you, and you're going to repent. John came with the message of repentance. All of his disciples, that's what was happening in the wilderness. John was recreating baptism. He was setting the, setting the course. And here's your scripture. Paul said, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. John said, is what John said, Listen, I'm baptizing your repentance, but really, I want you to believe on Jesus. He's coming after me. And the disciples of John, the Baptist, when they heard this, guess what happened? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, not only were they, were they understood the mikvahs, but they went down and brought her baptism or repentance. But now when they heard the truth, they were believers. Go back up. Go back to, go back to verse 2. Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Paul did not say they were unbelievers. He did not say they were not followers. They were believers. Paul didn't say well you're just nothing unless you're no. They were following to the they were following all the light they had. Let me just tell you. We are also following in all the light we have. We've not arrived. We're still learning. We're still growing. I was in my Bible this morning at 5 30 in the morning and the Lord showed me something. And I said, Oh my, I, I've read that. I've never, never caught that. And I thank the Lord for it. Oh man. And I got so excited. I made another cup of coffee and drank the whole thing and then went back and said, why did I drink it so fast? I don't even really like coffee. I kill it with cream. I'm I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a cream drinker with a bunch of other stuff. And I, I, I'm learning, I'm growing, I, there's light. And Paul found believers and he, he didn't leave them alone. He didn't say, well, that's good. No, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost? I said, we don't even know what you're talking about. What? And Paul said, well, how were you baptized? Well, we were baptized for repentance. And he said, oh no, there is a name and I'm gonna baptize you in water in the name of Jesus. In verse five, and he baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse six, are you still there, Lori? Don't leave me. Okay. And what happened? And then after he baptized them, Paul laid his hands on, on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. And prophesying meant they testified and preached. So watch this. He, he baptized them, he laid his hands on them, and they spoke with tongues. They had already found repentance. Now they found baptism. Now they found the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost was evidenced by speaking in tongues. Let me just clarify something for everyone. Speaking in tongues is an outward manifestation of the Holy Ghost inside. We don't seek for tongues. We seek for the Holy Ghost. Uh, My my father uh, used to have a, we grew up in the country, my father had a burn barrel and the old burn barrel was, was, was gone. He got a new one. It was a blue barrel. He put, some trash in it and we burned it and over time the outside of that barrel changed from blue to a to a rust kind of color but when the fire got hot the tongues of flames that fire shot out of that burn barrel that's what the holy ghost is it it when it gets inside of you it starts to change everything about you and you can see the flames of fire this is what happened how do we know this how do we know that tongues is an outward sign Does it happen? It happened on the day of Pentecost. Watch, it happened on the day of Pentecost. Um, Okay, let's do Acts 9. Let's do Acts 10. Let's do Acts 10. I like Acts 10. Um, Acts 10 starts with this man named Cornelius. He was the Italian band. He was an Italiano, and he did not know really the Lord. He was not a Jew, but he gave much alms to the poor, and he prayed to God, and the Lord saw him. And this is a full 10 years after Acts 2. Acts 2 and Acts 10 are 10 years apart, approximately. So a whole decade has passed. And so far, everyone who has found the Lord, besides the Ethiopian eunuch, which was the first one um, uh, that Philip found, uh, all of them were Jews. And so that's why, that's why the, the Jewish people thought this is only a salvation for the Jewish people. It's not for the Gentiles. And, and it would be a strange thing, they thought, because the Gentiles, they don't have any customs. They have no tradition. Abraham's not their father. We, we claim Abraham, and now we have Jesus. He's the Messiah. And he has come out of the tribe of Judah. And so so Peter is on the housetop, he's taking a little nap, and the Lord gives him a vision. Three times the Lord gives him a vision. It's a big, it's a big tablecloth like a banquet table. And on the banquet table are all these foods that the Jewish people won't eat. It's 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 meat that 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 he was commanded not to eat from the law of Moses. And it's it's like uh, shrimp and 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 uh, 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 pork chop uh, and catfish and things that are that are not kosher and, and Peter said I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean and God said don't call the things that I've cleaned common and unclean right at that time two men knocked on the door because the Lord had visited Cornelius they go to Joppa find Peter bring him back well Peter he was very nervous because no one had ever done this so he brought some people with him that were part of the church they were part of the circumcised Jews they were the Jewish people. So he went over to the house of Cornelius. This is Acts chapter 10. He started to preach. Well, this was incredible. I think it's verse 44. Can you get to verse chapter 10, verse 44? Watch this. Peter's preaching. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. Just, just so you know, Peter didn't get to finish his sermon. In the middle of his sermon, people started speaking in tongues. I I love it when, Peter, when people interrupt the sermon. Not, not to go to the bathroom. But because the Holy Ghost falls. And while he was yet speaking, don't go away. Whoa. The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, there we go, which believed were astonished. That means the Jewish people that had the Holy Ghost and had been born again of the water and spirit, according to John chapter three and according to Acts chapter two, they were astonished as many as came with Peter because the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? How did they know? How did they know that the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out on the Gentiles? Here's the next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew. The death, the burial, the resurrection. This is what Peter said. Now we're going to go back to Acts chapter 2. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stay right there, Lori. Please don't leave me. Verse 47. And Peter turns, because he's at this still, he's still very nervous about this. And he turns and he asks a question. Who is he asking? Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Jews. That came with him. And he, he, he's basically appealing to them. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, go, go to go to where did I want to go, Lori? Go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's preaching, the Gentiles, the, the door was opened up to the Gentiles. They began to speak with other tongues, and then he baptized them. Okay. This is, this is the book of Acts where people were saved. All right. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for to obtain the remission of sins. So repentance is like taking a, a bill that you owe, and it's taking a big X that's marking it out. But baptism is taking it and burying it in the water Or burying it so that it never existed. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, and you go down in the water in Jesus' name, you might be able to remember what you did wrong, but the Lord has no memory of it. In fact, the Bible says he cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west... And if you ever make another mistake in sin, all you have to do is ask God to, repentance, to repent and forgive you, and he takes those sins and puts them back into the water. You only need to be baptized one time. But you have to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to the Bible. And then the Bible says, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, my, my grandmother, Annie Farrino, grew up as a Catholic girl, all the Italians in the neighborhood Catholic, and they didn't believe in this. And my Aunt Josephine, she found the Pentecostal church. She started reading her Bible because at that juncture, nobody ever read their Bible. They just listened to what the priest said. And, of course, in those days, the priest always did the Mass in Latin. So unless you spoke Latin, you really didn't know what was going on. And you just obeyed the priest. Everyone just obeyed the priest. Whatever the priest would say, they would, they would obey they would obey. In fact, my grandmother Farino had the priest over to her house because she was such a fabulous cook. She made the right pasta. She did all the right things. And so he would always come over for pasta and for dinner and they would all talk. And, 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 and she had one son and then she had, she had one daughter and she had one son. And that was not a traditional way of the Catholic lifestyle. And the priest, Father Munaka, said to my grandmother Farino, she, he said, Annie, it's not right for you to be a Catholic and only have two children. She said, well, Father, it's been nine years since I've had a child. And he said, I'm telling you, if you're going to be a good Catholic, you've got to have another baby. So she obeyed the priest. She had my mother. That's why I'm standing here tonight. Praise God for, for, for the Father, father Malka. A- amen. Or not. When my, when they're 15 years apart, my, 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 my mother and my, my Aunt Josephine, they're 15 years apart. And my Aunt Josephine started reading the Bible. All you had in those days was the King James Bible. She started reading the Bible. She was very, very poor. She found a little church. She started going to church. And, and my grandfather and my grandmother kicked her out, and said, you can never come back to our house. And, and it was terrible, depressing. My, my grandmother got depressed. She wouldn't make any food. My grandfather said, get up, Annie. I'm hungry. Well, it, was, it was six months later. And finally, she started making food. She was very upset. Then they said, you can come back to the house and visit us, but you can't bring your Bible. And then they went to the Catholic priest and said, oh, Father, Josephine, she's left the faith. She found this Pentecostal church. I don't know what they're doing over there. And he said, well, that's okay. I'm going to go send a, a young priest. I'm going to send him over. He's going to bring her back and convert her back to the Catholic faith. And so the, the young priest went to my Aunt Josephine's house. She was very poor. She had one little chair in her living room. And she had her King James Bible. And the, and the young priest came over and started talking to her about the Bible. And she, she started reading the Bible to him and said, look look what happened in the book of Acts. And they would have Bible studies, and then, and then he brought a nun with her, and, and they all sat together, and, and the, and the lady sat on the floor, and the priest sat on the chair, and they opened up the Bible, and they started talking, and my Aunt Josephine began to pray, and the Holy Ghost fell in her living room, and this was written in the diocese of the, of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that the priest and the nun both began to speak in tongues. They left the Catholic Church. They actually got married later. They, they left the Catholic Church, and, and the main priest never sent anyone over to my Aunt Josephine's house again. That's right. Right here on this side, of course, the steps were a little bit further out because we cut all this off. Right here on this side, there's a little girl in our church. She's older now. This is, this is uh, Samantha. Samantha and, 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 and Gary and Rose uh, took this little baby, Samantha. She had a feeding tube in her, in her belly and a trach in her throat. Nobody wanted her. She was in the foster care system. They took little Samantha um, uh, and, and they raised her and, um, and she she 's deaf she can 't hear, and so she does sign language and uh, uh, she was really kind of spoiled and, and, and you know we, we 've had a time with her and, but she she was at the church she worship loves to worship the Lord, and when she speaks it 's a guttural sound uh, uh, she speaks she 's trying to form words. They got a little implant in the back of her head, but it was it, it just it just sounds, it's difficult. So she's very good at sign language. And, and one night I was watching over here, I was preaching at the end of the service. Samantha, she was down at the, at the altar again, and she began to pray. And, and Tammy, my wife, went over and started to pray with her. When you were praying with her, you open up your eyes, you look. And so, so Tammy said, okay, honey. I want you just to say, I love you, Jesus. And she gutter, gutter, made that sound and and, and and signed it. I love you. I praise you. Hall- the word hallelujah is the highest praise. You can give God. So we, they were doing that, and, and the Holy Ghost fell. And there was a bunch of men on this section. A lot of men were gathered around at that, that night. I'll never forget that night. And the Holy Ghost came on that little girl that was deaf. And in fact... When the Holy Ghost came, it just flooded, and I watched all those men, those big men, just sink down, and they all knelt around there. It was an amazing thing. They just Because the power of the Spirit of God was so strong, everyone just collapsed to their knees. And that little girl began to speak with other tongues. And as she spoke in tongues, she lost that guttural sound. It was incredible. She began to speak with other tongues fluently, like as if she could hear. The Lord filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there the holy ghost is for everybody this is not this is not part we don't we don't own this we don't we don't own this in fact in the philippines right now in the philippines Thousands and tens of thousands of people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Many of our ministers, in fact, my pastor, Pastor James Stark, has been to Ethiopia many times. There's a massive field where almost 450, 500,000 people gathered. They had, it was almost 100 feet long, the stage, and they had massive speakers and people had journeyed for miles around and came and the Holy Ghost fell and they approximate 67,000 people were baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in, in tongues for the first time. It's happening all, over the place, all over the place. In 1991, I went to Russia. I wrote a song. It's called Mercy Seat. That song found its way into the, into the ears of a little girl in Brownsville, Pensacola, Florida. She sang the song that me and Steve Richardson wrote. It's- and as she sang it that day, the Holy Ghost fell on that church and people were laid out speaking in other tongues. That was a five-year revival, 250,000 people lined up to go to that church for five years. Every night they sang that song, the Holy Ghost. It was a powerful move, of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost happens in all kinds of churches. Brother and Sister Huddiger came from the Asbury Methodist Church. While they were praying many years ago, I was a little boy. Many years ago, the Holy Ghost fell in their prayer meetings and, and Sister Huddeger received the baptism of the Holy Ghost long before she ever came to any kind of church like this. People are receiving the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues of all kinds of different ideas and denominations. It's for everybody. Why? Because the promise that word relates back to verse 38. The Holy Ghost is the promise. The promises are to you and to your children and to all that are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. Now, I can't, I can't say his name because I'm live feed, but a Baptist minister from another state has met in my office many times right before the pandemic. Uh, oh, the late 2019 was our last Bible study. And the Holy Ghost, He said, we don't speak in tongues, Pastor Harpo. Our church doesn't speak in tongues. He said, I've gone to seminary. I know the word. He said, but I found an old book where one of our Baptist elders wrote about the infilling of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. He said, you got to teach me about this. I said, well, the first thing I want to talk to you about is the name of Jesus in baptism. And by the time we got done with Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 16, Acts 19, by the time we got done with 1 Corinthians 3, 17, and we understood that there there is only one name, Isaiah 9, all of those scriptures He was convinced about Jesus' name, baptism. He said, I think I can baptize my people in Jesus' name. I think I can. He said, but it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I said, listen, you're just going to have to tell people it's for you. And you get out that old book that you found in your library. And you start talking about that old book that one of your elders wrote about. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is in places you would not believe it is in. It's a baptism of the Spirit speaking with other tongues. As God gives the utterance, it's for everybody. It's the resurrection. It's the gospel. You must repent. You must die. You must be buried with Christ and you be resurrect with Christ. Are you ready? Romans chapter six verse one. Help me, Lori. Lori, I'm going to give you a gift card to Dollar General. Dollar Tree is no longer a dollar, Lori. It's a dollar twenty-five. It's inflation. Signs of the times, Lori. But man, the stuff you can buy. Are you ready? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Let's just pause right there. Don't think you can just continue in sin. Don't, you can't. God forbid. Know ye not that as many of us as been that has been baptized into Christ. I'm on verse two, Lori. How about verse three? Know ye not that so many of us as are baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. This was a common practice of the church. You were identified with his death by baptism. Verse four. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism and death. That like as Christ, this is the body. This is the, this is the human body. Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. That right there is the resurrection. Raised from the dead. That's resurrection. Even so, we also... Should walk in newness of life. This is the indication of death and resurrection. It happened in Jesus, it can happen in you. It can happen in you. Now, Paul writes that tongues are the, the that speaking in tongues is the tongue of men and of angels. Sometimes it can be interpreted, sometimes it cannot. Speaking in other tongues. And and so we do know that sometimes we're speaking in an actual language. We're speaking in another language. Sometimes we are not. <clears throat> when I was in Russia my second time, I went to a city called uh, Leningrad. And then the second time, it was they changed it back to St. Petersburg. The Iron Curtain had fell, fallen a couple years prior. Um, and they changed the name back to St. Petersburg... We drove from St. Petersburg about 6 hours into a little town called Boxitogorsk. It was the first time any American ever set foot on that in that soil in that town. So they greeted us. We were the first Americans. They'd always thought Americans were terrible. There was about from all the villages around, there was 1500 people. We went to a massive auditorium. It was really just a barn. People were sitting on the rafters. They were they were jammed in like sardines. And I had some musical instruments in my hand, and we sang and preached and prayed, and the Lord blessed, and it was wonderful. And uh, and we were leaving, and we had an interpreter with us, of course, because no one spoke uh, Russian. I had learned one phrase in Russian. The phrase is, manipayu. It means, I don't understand. And so when they would talk to me, I would just say, I would shrug my shoulder, manipayu. And they would know, this is a dumb American, he doesn't know our language. <laughs> And so on my way out of that, there was a bunch of young people and, and they wanted to pray and wanted me to pray with them as, as I was leaving. And so I was exhausted. It was a long trip and we just bowed our heads. We start praying. And one of the girls was praying in English and it was beautiful English. And I, I just was so grateful. And I called over our interpreter. and I said, "Tomorrow, this girl was praying in English and, 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 and I wouldn't talk to the girl and the girl, she couldn't understand what I was saying. And Finally, our interpreter said to the girl in Russian, she said, "Uh, do you speak English? And the girl said, I don't understand. And then I realized what happened. For the first time in my life, I heard someone speak in a language that I understood, but they did not. And not only did she speak in English, she spoke in a Midwestern accent. Now, if you ever hear someone speak in another, another language, they usually have an accent, but this girl had no accent, like she was from my hometown. And she spoke in English. This is what she said in English. Praise be to the Almighty God. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She said it twice. Now, people are confused about who he is, but the Lord is not confused. <laughs> Praise be to the Almighty God. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. I was in Bozier City. I was preaching in church. About 700 people. It was a pretty new facility at the time. Brother Dean's Church. It was on a Wednesday night, and and... and 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 a lady had come to church. She was sitting way over to the back, and, and her and her husband had been in Japan for 38 years. He was stationed in Japan. She was a brilliant lady. She had her master's degree, she could speak several languages. And she came to church that night, and she said, Lord, my husband's passed away. Do you know where I'm at? Do I still have a ministry? Am I still worth something? At the end of my sermon that night, the Lord hit me, and I began to speak in tongues in the microphone. And at the end, I just, we had service. It was wonderful. And the lady came up and said, I want to thank you for what you said, what you said tonight. And I thought, well, I didn't think my sermon was that good, but hey, you know. And she said, no, it wasn't your sermon. (laughs) She said, no, no, no. She said, you see, my husband and I were in 38 years, I speak fluent Japanese. And when you were speaking in tongues, you were speaking in fluent Japanese and in Japanese, this is what you said. I know where you are. You didn't lose your ministry. And you are worth the kingdom. Amen. You don't know, but the Lord knows all these things. Now, I know. This is just part scripture and part anecdotal presentation. I know that. But I want you to know why we, we preach Acts 2.38 of repentance Water baptism, spirit baptism. This is the foundation of our of our doctrine. And it's not even our doctrine. It's the Bible doctrine. Some, some ask, well, well Pastor, why do, you, why do you call us apostolics? Well, because we're all Christians. That's a big banner of Christianity. Everybody's, all kinds of people are Christians. But then under the Christianity, there's an experience. And, that, and that's a smaller umbrella called Pentecost or Pentecostalism. Pentecost or Pentecostalism is really an experience. It, it denotes... Uh, exuberant worship and clapping, and sometimes this worship style—it it certainly talks about uh, the infilling of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And then underneath that is called this this thing called apostolic. That's the doctrine because Jesus gave the doctrine to his apostles. And they called it the Apostles' Doctrine. Now, it really, was the, the the doctrine of Jesus Christ? Um, but they called it the Apostles' Doctrine because it came from them. But really, it was it was what the Lord gave to His apostles. So the reason why we would call ourselves Apostolics is because we believe in the Apostles' Doctrine, which came from Jesus. You can call yourself whatever you want. I don't really, really, I don't even care. Uh, it does, it, it, this, this is not going to save you. It's not, it probably won't. It's not going to help you. It won't give you a discount at the dollar general. It is, but I'm just letting you know why these terms are given. And, and in the apostles' doctrine, we got to recognize that they believe that what I'm teaching you was critical. In fact, anyone else that would come from any place to teach something different, they were emphatic. Now, this Bible is God-breathed. God spoke it, and men wrote it. It was written over a span of 1,500 years by about 32 different writers, and this book is God's book. And in Galatians, the Bible says in Galatians, uh, let me see where I'm at here. Can I do, is, can I do Galatians chapter 1, maybe? And verse six, can we do that, Lori? I, I'm, I've just lost my reference. It's, it's not. It's in my brain, but it's not written down. And Paul writes to the church at Galatia. He says, uh, both, uh, pull that, pull that one up. Let's see if that's the right verse. He says, if I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, because people had heard the gospel. And he said, I'm, 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 I'm marveling that you're removed from him that called you to the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Here's the next verse, verse 7. Which is not another gospel. There's only one gospel. I'll wait for you for a second. Just the next verse down in verse 7. Do you, do you have your Bibles? Uh, just wait a second. It'll take you a while. So he said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he said, but though we are an angel from heaven, if I come back or an angel comes down and preaches to you any other gospel than the one I just preached to you, let him be accursed. And and if that was enough, he said, let me emphatically say it, verse 9, as we said before, so I say it now again. Don't change it. What's the gospel, Paul? 1 Corinthians. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. I just I quoted it to you when we started. How that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. How do I obey the gospel? I die, I'm buried, and I rise again. Amen. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Now, I have left out uh, another portion of this, and, I, and I, I think that's good for tonight. I was going to do some more stuff, and you'll see it when you get here on Sunday. And everyone's going to get one of these, uh, one of these tabletop. These are just these are easy, and you can get a couple of them. But you can't you can't take them if you're not going to use them. You have to use them and, and find somebody. But I want you, to, I want everyone to have at least one of these, and you take this and use it. And we're going to teach people the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone said Amen. <laughs> amen. Praise God. Now, if you're a believer, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, you come talk to me, and I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus. And it's, it's an awesome moment. It's a great experience, and we're obeying the Scripture. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for your word. You are such a great God. We give you praise and glory for all that you have done. Use us for your glory, Lord Jesus. Help us to love and be kind. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do your great work in this house. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all the people said amen.